Welcome to episode 257 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. This is a star party report from Henry. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. Uh, we are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. So I'm still laughing a bit, Shane, because of, of uh, Phil's um, observing reports when he sends us an observing report. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but when he sends us an observer report, he does this funny voice and and does it almost like as if there's like a news task coming in, observing report, observing report. Anyway, um, it, it always makes me crack up. And that's what I did to Shane when we were getting ready to record this is I started I started uh, uh, doing a bit of a Phil impersonation where, where we're getting ready to read someone's observing report. So yep. anyway, we won't do I, that, though. No, but you know what? <laughs> I think I've mentioned this to Phil before. So, you know, I, I think a lot of listeners that have uh, been listening to our podcast for a while probably are somewhat familiar with Phil from the UK. And Phil sends us, he very rarely writes us an email. He often will send us a audio recording and it's super cool. You know, I'll listen to it on the way to work or whatever. Yeah. And I really think he just needs to record those uh, messages and put that as a podcast because they're super yeah. entertaining and I love listening to them. And I think a lot of other people <laughs> funny as hell. Yeah, like he great. shouldn't write a script. He should just do those. That's his podcast. It's, yeah. It was yeah. like he could he could even do them. Like he's sending them to us. Yeah, exactly. And and like he's a really good visual astronomer. He uh, gets yeah. out as often as he can and uh yeah. Yeah, it's always <laughs> like so funny. But I think part of the humor is that he's sending them He's sending them to us and trying to get like our attention maybe. And, and by doing so, I think there's some, there's a quality to it. And, and I think um, I, like, I know Phil talked about maybe doing a podcast at one point in time. I think that's what you should do, Phil, is you should just do those. Like, don't try to do anything. Don't try to do anything else. Do just do those. Like, just do like, like, and do it exactly how you send your emails to us. Just do it like <laughs> with the silly voices and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, complain about the drivers in the UK and <laughs> you know, all that stuff is amazing. So yep, yep, anyway, uh, yeah, couldn't agree more, but we're going to talk about star parties. Well, one yeah. star party in particular. Star parties. So Shane, what is, what is a star party? Well, um, yeah, it's kind of a weird name. And when my non-astronomy friends hear about star parties, they kind of chuckle at me, but, um, essentially what it is, is it's a, uh, a planned event. So it's in the calendar. Uh, it'll be for a new moon, usually towards the tail end of summer, at least up here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, but really they happen all year round and it's just a gathering of astronomers, uh, to do observing. Um, now usually it's like a, a dark sky site or a darker site. Um, oftentimes, although not always, uh, there will be like, uh, speakers that have been arranged to give talks during the daytime. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's vendors and like, uh, you know, swap tables and all that stuff for, uh, for gear. And they're just a super cool event to get together, meet other astronomers, um, and also uh, just to like walk around the uh, observing area at night um, and look through all sorts of different gear, whether it's, you know, different telescopes or different eyepieces and, and just, you know, sort of sample a whole bunch of different things. Uh, I, I really enjoy star parties. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Now they're... Uh they're pretty cool. Uh, I've been to quite a few. There's some, there's some neat ones. Um, some of them are more comfortable than others. Some of them are pretty, are pretty rustic. 
Um, so let's see. So Henry, he went up to uh, the Mount Kobau Star Party, which is one of the more rustic and remote ones, which is on um, the summit of Kobau Mountain, which is just uh, outside of a Soyuz over in British Columbia, which isn't too far from um, the border with uh, with the states. So you do get a lot of observers who come up from the states, and there's a lot of uh, pretty well known uh, amateur astronomers who go. Several of the editors from Sky and Telescope magazine go: uh, Gary Sarnik, uh, Alan Whitman, and uh, and others. Uh, just just to name a, a, a couple people. I think Ken Hewitt White uh, used to go as well. Who's who's a well known Canadian uh, astronomer. Um, uh, Bill Weir often goes, although he wasn't there the year I went. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and Jack Newton's uh, astronomy bed oh, yeah. breakfast is is like a stone's throw away, and I think that's actually like a little sort of astronomical community um, where there's like certain lighting that needs to uh, be in place on the housing, and it's really yeah. set up for astronomers. Yeah, I've driven by his his house on on the way to the star party. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty sketchy road up and through there. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a really neat spot. Um, <laughs> The Star Party itself is up a really sketchy road. In fact, it's the most sketchy road that I've ever driven on in my life. I think it's so sketchy. It's like uh, some of it's just like totally bare rock on the side of a mountain that you're kind of slowly making your way up. But it's a really safe road because they built it to actually put an observatory on top of this mountain. Um, But the observatory never came to fruition, but they built the road, which is now used as like a fire service road. Um, but it doesn't really get much in the way of maintenance or love, but it's an extremely wide road and it meanders in a very safe way. So even though you're going up this mountain um, in what otherwise might seem like a sketchy situation, it's uh, it's not too bad. But anyway, um, yeah, Henry sent us this observing report and a nice photo of Bill with Bill wearing his observing hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to kick this off? Go for it. Okay. Uh, so Henry writes, um, I got back last night from the Mount Kobau star party. Uh, besides always wanting to get out observing under dark skies, I went with three items on my wish list. Uh, number one, meet and learn from experienced visual astronomers. Number two, look through a solar telescope. And number three, look through a 20-inch reflector scope. So uh, all pretty good uh, uh, goals to have for a star party. Um, On Wednesday, I got up early and made the six-hour drive from my house on Fox Island, Washington, to Mount Kobau. Uh, Mount Kobau is just across the U.S.-Canada border in the Okanagan Valley area of British Columbia. I found a good campsite and a spot for my telescope at the summit next to the communications tower. Uh, Two others, David and Harvey, had gotten there the day before and were already set up. At 7 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, uh, there was a speaker. Uh, The first night, Lee Johnson led a discussion of what to observe this week at Mount Kobau. Uh, Lee talked about Campbell's Cascade and Lucian Campbell. Uh, He suggested two other objects adjacent to the Cascade, uh, NGC 1501 and 1502. Uh, Then he solicited suggestions from the crowd. Uh, One suggestion uh, was a simultaneous Europa shadow transit and a great red spot transit of Jupiter occurring early Saturday morning. Uh, It was solid cloudy during the 7 p.m. talk, uh, but by the beginning of astronomical darkness at 10 p.m., the skies had completely cleared. Uh, I enjoyed great looks of Jupiter, Saturn, and many other fun eye candy deep sky objects, and I found NGC 1501 for the first time. 
one other or other first time observations for me were M30 and, and NGC 6910. Uh, because of fatigue from a long day and not much sleep the night before, I packed it in at 1 a.m. Uh, I wanted to sleep in the next morning, but learned the hard way uh, what other experienced star party goers already know. Uh, put your tent in a spot that will be shaded in the morning. Um, by 6.30 a.m., my tent was becoming an oven. No sleeping in for me. Uh, Chris, you and I can uh, relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I always try to work pretty hard at getting a, a shady spot or making one. You know, even in the open prairie, often what I'll do or what I always try to do anyway, sometimes I'm successful is to park my car in such an orientation that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, as the sun is rising, it, it rises at a bit of an angle. So sometimes you can scrape together an extra 30 or 40 minutes of sleep just by parking your, your car in the, in the correct orientation, uh, as close to your tent as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And on those trips, every extra minute of sleep just really helps. <laughs> Um, so Henry goes on to say, uh, later that day, I moved my tent to a shady spot and during the day, Bill Weir arrived, uh, and set up on the summit as well. I'd enjoyed Bill Weir's interview on the actual astronomy podcast. So it was fun to meet and uh, get to know him. Uh, Thursday night started out clear and calm, a great night for observing. I spent the first part observing all the wonders in Sagittarius, I have never been in a spot at this time of the year with good enough Southern exposure to see this part of the sky. I observed, uh, there's a whole host of Messiers. So eight, 16, 17, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, <laughs> uh, all for the first time. Uh, nice. Henry says, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and what a great location for, for yeah. that. Uh, so Henry says it, it's hard to pick a favorite, but certainly like M17, the Swan, uh, Bill had brought his 20 inch reflector and was very generous with me, uh, David and Harvey. Uh, he gave us lots of time at the eyepiece to look at this nebula and several galaxies. Uh, the Swan was very fun to see in my 10 inch scope. Uh, I have a filter slide in my daub and found both the UHC and O3 filters helped with this nebula. But in Bill's 20 inch, uh, I think I could make out the individual feathers on the swan. What a great <laughs> instrument. I want one. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, the, the best nebula filter is, is just 20 inches of aperture. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way to do it. Uh, Henry says, I also saw NGC 7331 for the first time. Uh, unfortunately, it clouded up about midnight. Uh, I wasn't completely disappointed because I was struggling to stay awake and now I didn't have to feel guilty about quitting early. Uh, the shady tent spot worked wonders and I got a good sleep for the first time in three nights. Nice. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of feeling it a bit myself. Like I was saying, in one of the other episodes we recorded today, this is my sixth or seventh morning waking up after observing until very late in the evening slash early in the morning. Like I've been observing past midnight every night. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit much after a while, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to do it. So, but yeah, you got to find those shady spots or make a cool spot somehow. So anyway, Harvey goes on to say on Friday, many more star parties, star partiers arrived and there were seven of us on the summit and many more on down the hill. Bill got out a solar scope. On the scene tripod, he had mounted a Coronado H Alpha scope and another refractor with a white light solar filter. It was fun to look through both. We enjoyed seeing prominences, sunspots, and filaments. Friday night started cloudy and quite windy. 
I set up my scope and then went for a cat nap in my tent. I got up at 11 p.m. as the skies had cleared to about 25% cloudy. It was still very windy. I had never observed in such adverse conditions, and I wouldn't have if I hadn't already made the effort to get to the star party. The winds would shake my scope and the seeing was poor. I concentrated mostly on globular clusters. This is a good plan. This is what I did last night here in my, in my dark sky uh, location. We had tons of wind and uh, I went after the globulars. So that's a great plan. Um, he goes on to say, despite the crummy conditions, I get some good looks and saw NGC 6940 for the first time. It is a beautiful cluster. I can't remember which one that is. Is that the one over in, is that the one over in Aquila or Aquila? Anyway, uh, sure. many, many tried, but I don't believe anyone was able to observe the shadow red spot transits on Jupiter as the seeing was poor. I did. I actually observed, um, the red spot uh, transit that night. I was actually observing that night here, and uh, we saw the shadow transit. Did we see the shadow transit? Maybe you, you and I. Well, uh, no, that this was um, on a weekend. Oh, I see, I see. Before, yeah, Rebecca yeah. was actually looking through the telescope with me, so uh, oh, okay. we saw the we saw the red red spot uh, going by. But anyway, yep. Saturday just, morning was sorry. Just a quick note about sixty nine forty. It's uh, it's in Volpecula. Oh, Volpecula. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not too far from Aquila. Yep. Uh, Saturday morning was chilly and still very windy. Many of partiers packed up and headed home. There were still many astronomers spread out down the hill, but Bill and I were the only ones left on the summit. I'd already planned to stay until the end of the star party Sunday morning, so I stuck it out and hoped for clear skies that night. The winds persisted all day and didn't quit at night. It was mostly cloudy all day, but did mostly clear by 10 p.m. I observed uh, for about an hour, but it was cold just uh, 40 Fahrenheit, which is 44 degrees Celsius. Uh, and with a lot of wind, that is cold. But he said he had a lot of fun. At around 11 p.m., the transparency got quite bad. You could still see stars in most directions, but they were shining through muck. With the windshield, I was cold, so I loaded up my gear in my car so I could start home early the next morning. The physical effort of loading everything warmed me up. And by the time I got everything in the car, the skies were clear. I told Bill that I should have known that if I packed up my gear, the skies would clear for sure. So Bill asked what I wanted to see, and he took him on a tour of M13, M20, M33, and several other deep sky objects. By midnight, the cold wind was getting the best of both uh, Bill and Harvey, and they quit and headed for their shelters. Um, all three boxes of my wish list were checked, in addition to getting a look through the solar scope and a 20-inch scope. I did talk to many experienced astronomers. Star parties are fun. Bill told me that Chris has attended the Mancobo Star Party at least once in the past and may be attending next year. This was my first star party and hopefully will not be my last. I hope to attend the uh, Mancobo Star Party next year and uh, and have another good time up there. Yeah, I really want to get back up there. That that was a lot of fun. I went there, I think it was almost 10 years ago now. Mike and I went. Mm-hmm. My wife yep. did join us uh, as well. She will not attend again. I don't think it was, she, she is a real camper and enjoys the camping experience, the astronomy less so. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a long way to go uh, just, just for some, some camping. And uh, certainly we get lots of uh, outdoor in the woods experience uh, around here for sure. So she doesn't need any more of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it sounds like uh, it was a really good time. And it, it's super cool to hear that uh, Henry was able to check those three things off his wish list too. Um, yeah, sounds like a, a great time. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely, definitely go back. It's just, that's just a fun star party. I like it. It's, it's a bit rough. 
Um, yeah, it's very much like if, if you don't have experience camping, I think it would be really tough to go, um, because you are on the peak of a mountain without any amenities. You have to be, um, very self, well, you have to be totally self-sufficient. I don't think you can buy a pop or a hot dog or a bottle of water, anything up there. Um, it is what it is. Um, it's just, uh, basically camping, um, on your own, uh, at the top of a mountain with a bunch of other people doing the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool time. And that's kind of the way a lot of star parties were back, back in the day. I know, uh, Alan Dyer had, had sent me some photos once and, and I'd found some other photos of him and, and others going out and doing this way, way back before star parties were really much of a thing. And, um, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun to go to the ones that are a little bit more established. Like, uh, I know the Saskatchewan star party was this, uh, this past weekend, but, uh, I didn't hear any reports. So I'm not sure if I, well, I know, uh, Judy Sterner, she was going up and I got to touch base back with her cause I'd sent her some materials for, for her presentation. But, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't heard of any, any reports back. I wonder if they had had good conditions. Yeah. Um, I think it was a little bit of a mixed bag. I think, um, the Thursday night, maybe they had some rain. I can't remember, but, uh, they, I think Saturday, Friday, Saturday, I think we're really good. I think they yep. uh, were able to, to have some clear skies and log, uh, log some time at the eyepiece. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, I, I had given it some serious consideration, but like I said, I, I wasn't able to get the, uh, the right days off work and, uh, had thought if I was able to get the Friday, even I would go, but, uh, wasn't able to. So yeah, if I can't get the Friday to roll, then, um, I, I just didn't think there was, there was too much point. So I just came out here and it was, uh, not good conditions on the weekend. Anyway, I don't know if they had, uh, fared better out there, but, uh, yeah, hopefully they had some clear skies earlier in the week. It's nice to know that, um, the Mount Cobo star party is still going strong and that, uh, folks are driving up for it. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully I can make it next year. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would try to attend as well if possible. Um, I've never been to that one and it, it's always intrigued me. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your, uh, steel walled, uh, radials. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Drive up. That is nuts. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Anything else to add to this? No, that is it, Chris. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for sharing your observing report uh, from your star party, Henry, if anybody else has observing reports from their star parties that they attend at the summer. We would love to receive them, um, read them here and respond to you and uh, maybe read them on a future episode. Thanks, Shane. Thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to subscribe and you can reach out to us at actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thanks again. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.